somebody can't see. They left their glasses up here, so I'm going to... Okay, you guys, John has two pair of glasses. That's my reading glass, bro. That's when you know. Well, that's great. Oh, you probably need them, hey. This is my driving. There you go. Driving and reading glasses. That's how you know you're young. When you have driving glasses and reading glasses. It's good to be able to worship God together. It's been a while, eh? It seems like we were in house churches recently, and we haven't seen each other all together on Sunday. So it's great to be Matt. It's great to be back. While we were away, we had someone get baptized. Abigail got baptized. If you could stand up. Go ahead, stand up, Abby. That was awesome. And good news from Wellington, they had their first Bible talk, and Nick flew down and had a great time. He tells the story way better than I ever could, but kind of the short version is they had four or five people visit, and uh, is it four or five? Is that... We can round it up to five. <laughs> and it was, it was a great time. They had a great discussion. And as a result, one of the people that came wants to stu- start studying the Bible. So that was really awesome. So every Wednesday, please continue to pray for Wellington. We need church leaders. We need a mission team. And we need finances. So in your prayers, pray for those three specific things every Wednesday of the first month, okay? Or every first Wednesday of each month, alright? So, Or you can pray about it anytime you want, actually. But as a church, that's what we'll do. And also, we want to welcome back John and Joan Smith. I see them there from their travels. Good to have you back. Luke's excited to see you guys. He wants to show you he can ride a bike. So he's ready. Tour de France. And the kind of uh, big bit of good news is I'm going to call up Mark and Deanna. And in the Bible, there's a kind of iconic passage in Luke 15. And it really describes a father waiting patiently for his son to return, who has been wandering for a while. And when the son returns, you read in that account, Luke 15, the father actually runs out and embraces the son, which says a lot because you don't really see grown men running in public to do that kind of thing. And it really represents the heart of God to wait patiently and, and with great expectation, faithfully, that we will return even when we wander. And so this morning, that's what we have an example of. Uh, many of you may know Mark Milburn, but if you don't, um, we are welcoming him back to the fellowship this morning. He is returning and being restored to our fellowship. And he's also being reunited, reunited and restored to relationship with his wife and his family, which is to the praise of God, which is awesome. I'm, I'm going to turn it over to Mark and, and let him share a bit. Come on, Mark. Come on, Mark. Thanks, uh, Dave. Yeah, so for those that don't know me, um, it's been two and a half years approximately since I was last uh, at church here. And I've been coming along, I uh, first came along 26 years ago. Um, I'm grateful uh, to God and his, his mercy. Um, that there's been a way back to, um, um, to, for me, even though I've been plagued by unrepentance over long periods of time. I'm doing things differently. If I do the same old ways, I'll just get the same result. Uh, I'm learning from past sin, um, areas that, that stopped me coming in the first place. That I, I, It's good to change behaviours, but it's more important to change my heart. Especially the past and how I dealt with and things in the present. I want to be a great disciple, husband, and father to my kids. Amen, 
I don't just want to be good, I want to be great. That will mean doing things differently and continually measuring myself to God's standards, having lifetime goals with the things I see God wants me to work on. It won't be easy, but life is not easy, and there's hope and strength in God. Also, having people in my life that will reveal my shortcomings and speak the truth in love, that will be essential. I'm excited to be back at the church. Thank you for your love, support, and prayers. And um, Deanna's going to say a few words. (laughs) I'm much shorter. Um, Yeah, a lot of you know that I would say a few years ago, yeah, right, never. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, God has his own plans. And I think um, what, is it Sophia? Sorry, my mind. Shared this morning, communion is so true, like God's grace. And I think... um, Having forgiveness, having understanding that, yeah, we're not perfect and we get hurt, but actually God's love and his grace is so much bigger. Um, It's been a massive journey for me, for my family, for Mark, and a lot of people that have um, been involved in helping us has been amazing. Um, We would never be here without God and without the fellowship that we have. This family has supported me, supported my children and loved us unconditionally, and that's been just bigger than anything. (laughs) I can't even explain it. I'm really excited that today not only does Mark return to this fellowship, but um, he comes home to our family. And this afternoon we're having a vow renewal ceremony (laughs) with some friends and family, and it's going to be quite exciting. And, um, yeah, I'm just really proud of Mark and the changes he's made and the fact that he never gave up on um, me when I was like, no way, (laughs) Um, and never gave up on... Uh, you know, God, he always just wanted to come back to God. So yeah, for anyone that's struggling, just talk to me. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks, guys. Oh, it's very exciting. Thank you so much. And welcome back. And praise God. He does miracles in people's lives and in people's marriages. This morning, if you're joining us for the first time or whatever time, we're finishing up the book of 1 Corinthians. So if you have a Bible, turn over to there. We'll be in the very last chapter. And as a spoiler alert, there's a second book. Yeah, yeah. I did a bit of binge reading on the Bible, and I couldn't st- couldn't stop in First Corinthians 16. And I kept going, and lo and behold, Second Corinthians was there, and I'm in chapter four or five, and, and that's what we'll continue to do on our Sundays. So we'll we'll be able to put all the pieces together. Who are we waving at? Okay. Like why are you waving at me, Brendan? I see you. Yeah. Sorry, bro. This is a great passage because it's the very last chapter. It's kind of a concluding remark. And that's why I think just the Bible is incredible. Because even in concluding remarks, there's spiritual truth. And it's kind of like the the parting things that you say as you leave. There's like profound truth in those. That's what we find here in this passage. Which when I say things as I leave or as I part, they're not really profound. But the Bible, even as it closes a book, you find so much in it. And so I'm so grateful that the Bible has so much to teach us. Let's pray and then read this passage together. God, we're so grateful to see your miraculous hand at work in people's lives. It's, it's such a privilege to see your spirit and your word and the fellowship and all things work together to see Mark restored. 
to see Mark and Deanna's marriage restored, their family restored. All of that is only possible because of you. And so I pray as we read your scriptures, we keep, we keep in mind that only through you is anything really genuinely possible. And help us really hear the truth that you have for us to hear and apply it to our lives. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, if you have a Bible, we'll start in verse 1. If you don't, you should be able to see it on the screen. In verse 1, now about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. The first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping up with your income, saving it up, so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Then, when I arrive... I'll give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me. This isn't like what we are familiar with in terms of church contribution, like every Sunday. It's a very special collection, which we'll talk about in a little bit. In verse 4, after I go through Macedonia, I will come to you, for I will be going through Macedonia. Perhaps I'll stay with you for a while or even spend the winter so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now and only make a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. But I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door for effective work has opened to me and there are many who oppose me. When Timothy comes... See to it that he has nothing to fear while he is with you, for he is carrying on the work of the Lord just as I am. No one then should treat him with contempt. Send him on his way in peace so that he may return to me. I am expecting him with the brothers. Now, about our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to go to you with the brothers. He was quite unwilling to go now. But he will go when he has the opportunity. That's like, what in the world is that going on, right? If you know 1 Corinthians, there's some trouble earlier in chapter 4 where the church is split. I follow Apollos. I follow Paul. I follow Peter. And, and perhaps Apollos, we, we know from the scriptures, he's gifted at speaking. And somehow it, it rallied some group around him. And Paul says, hey, I want you to go back and, and be with the church. And for some reason, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not willing to go right now. We don't really know why. Maybe it was travel. It was hard to travel back then. But maybe there's just, I'm not sure it's the right thing to do at the moment. But anyway, that's what we have in the Bible. But he will come when he has the opportunity. Amen. Be on your guard, as he continues in verse 13. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Do everything in love. You know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia. They have devoted themselves to the service of the Lord's people. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to submit to such people and to everyone who joins in the work and labors at it. I was glad when Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus... I'm glad we don't have names. Those are tough to, to say all consecutively. Because they have supplied what was lacking from you. For they refreshed my spirit and yours also. Such men deserve recognition. The churches in the province of Asia send you greetings. That's how churches would stay connected in those days through letters. Now we have social media. Aquila, Aquila, Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord, and so does the church that meets at their house. All the brothers and sisters here send you greetings. 
Here is, he's writing from the church in Ephesus. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand, which is a cool bit of information. Most of this letter was likely dictated to someone as he announces it and they wrote it down, probably Sosthenes from, from chapter 1. But it's also, in that time, there was, in like in First Thessalonians, there's a, a letter that appears to be from Paul that gets sent to the churches and it kind of al- alarms them. And so what he starts to do is, apparently has big handwriting, he says, this is my own handwriting. I am citing this greeting. This is me. This is my stamp of approval. And I'm writing this with my own hand. Uh, And then an encouraging verse following that. If anyone does not love the Lord, let that person be cursed. Come, Lord. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love to all of you in Christ Jesus. Amen. So here we have his concluding remarks to the church in Corinth. And and so he's dealt, if you if you remember, he's dealt with such a wide variety of issues in Corinth. This is kind of the final chapter. There's still a couple things. Now, they've asked about the Lord's collection, and they've asked about Apollos. And so he says, now about the collection, now about Apollos. But through this, we, we do gain some wisdom. First of all, we're going to talk about generosity, because that appears in this. We're going to talk about open doors and following examples. In this chapter, generosity is mentioned, although it might not be obvious at first. It does when, you, when we study the text together. Three times there's a specific reference to financial giving. All right. So, for instance, in verse 1, that, that's kind of blatant. Now about the collection for the Lord's people. And then he gives them some instruction. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do every week. Set aside some money for your, from your income. That word income is a little bit misleading because not everybody worked in this context. Some people were even slaves. So it's better translated however you prosper that week. So some people that weren't working, they still gained something. And they were able to contribute. And they were able to give. Something had gone on in Jerusalem. Verse 3. They're going to collect this and send it to Jerusalem. Which is the church of the Gentiles. Of the Jews. And so perhaps when Christianity started, everybody flocked to Jerusalem. 3,000 is the church when it first starts. 5,000, two chapters later. A lot of those people may have stayed in Jerusalem. And so it could have absorbed a lot of the resources from the church. And now they're kind of in need. And so what Paul is doing is going around saying, Hey, Jerusalem needs some help. Well, let's take up a collection. Galatia's doing it. Corinth, do you want to contribute? Yes. Okay, well, here's the plan. Here's what you do. Set aside some money. And that probably allows it to be kind of a significant contribution. If I were to say, We're going to take some money up today for Wellington. We'd, everybody would respond. But if I said, From this point forward, every week, we're going to set aside some money. You'd get a more significant collection. And so that's what's going on here. And, it's, and he's sending people with it. Verse 3, he's like, I'm going to write some letters so that when the money comes, they can all say, hey, yeah, I did, did you take it? No, I didn't take any of the money. There was four of us. We all, we, each of us had a bit of it. We bring it. We brought it. However you want to say it. Bring it, brought it. And it's, it's all here. There's integrity. They see faces with the money. So it's not just money. But there's this idea, Paul is saying there's a need and we want to meet it. I think it's an interesting contrast today. I've, I've heard, you know, and I've seen, and I've been a part of churches where there's like big time emotional uh, speeches for people to give. You know, there's like pass the plate around, pass it around again. 
pass it around one more time. The Lord is calling you. You know, it's like, it's, it's emotional. But in this, Paul's just like, hey, there's no gimmicks. There's no tricks. There's a need. Let's meet it. And I appreciate that. And then plus, you have to imagine Jews being uh, on the receiving end from Gentile. This is a Gentile church. They didn't go together. And so here's a Gentile church saying, we want to give financially to you. That would have been a big deal. And it would have been a big, big deal for both ends. And so what we have is this, Paul is saying basically, Corinth, be generous. Jeru- Jerusalem has a need, and we want you to help meet it. Alright, so that's in, that's in verse 1. But then in verse 6, you see it again. Perhaps I'll stay with you for a while even spend the winter there so you can help me on my journey wherever I go. In verse 6, and I put that phrase, help me on my journey, is one word in the Greek, propempo, which yeah, you don't really, that doesn't make a big difference unless you really want to know what is this all about. Propempo means to give financial assistance, to give food, to give supplies and resources. And so if Paul comes in verse 6, he says, hey, I want to come and spend time with you. Now, I'm going to leave it up to God because, you know, when you make plans and then you break them, people always say, oh, you said this. And just, he said, if the Lord permits, I'll come and spend time with you. But if I do, I want you to propempo. I want you to help me financially so that wherever I go, I can be supplied. I can have the resources. I can have what I need and I can arrive at the destination. All right, it's also the very same Greek word that occurs in verse 11, where he talks about Timothy. I'm going to send Timothy, and when he comes, you send him on his way. Propempo. You make sure he has the finances, the resources, the supplies. Be generous with me when I come. Be generous with Timothy. Be generous with Jerusalem. Be generous. That's kind of the overwhelming fact as he concludes this letter. And he also says, hey, make sure Timothy has nothing to fear. They weren't really close to Paul at this point. Paul's sending like his protege, and they're probably like, uh, this guy reminds me of Paul. What's going on? But he, hey, welcome him. Be generous with him in your love. Be generous with him financially. And Paul uses that word a lot. When he travels to Rome, he says, I want you to propempo when I go to Spain. I want you to help me out financially. All right? So all that's in the first few verses. There's this idea of being generous. And so Paul basically says, I know you guys got a lot going on, but I want you to be generous with Jerusalem. I want you to be generous with me. And I want you to be generous with Timothy. Fair enough. That sounds good, right? But it's interesting that it comes at the very end of the letter. Because he's talked about a lot of drama going on in Corinth. And the last thing they want to hear is be generous to other people. Right? So you get this. And, 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 and I think that our culture doesn't cultivate a character of generosity. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Now, to be fair though, humanity, I, I see instances, and you see them too, where humanity does respond generously in moments. With natural disasters or tragedies, when they strike, you see humanity rise up and issue, uh, uh, okay, we're going to help meet that need. But that's not like out of their character. That's because something has happened. And the world is, is constantly trying to shape us to be selfish, greedy, and stingy. And Paul is calling this church, in the midst of everything going on, to be generous. Now you think about social media, for instance. I think that's Abby Lash. Yeah, I think so. 
<laughs> he's looking at it. He's like, oh, he's like, man, I'm cool. Better capture this moment with a selfie. Let's get as close as I possibly can. And then what happens is, in this moment, he's completely removed. That's not Abby Lash, by the way. Although he might have, <laughs> not get any royalties for that, mate. But look at it. Doesn't it look like him? <laughs> um, you know, and you've seen this. You've seen people get so absorbed in their social media that you could almost walk flat out into them in public. And while that's comical, I think that it, and not, social media is not bad, but it's just a, one uh, illustration of many that society is, is deliberately trying to craft us to be isolated, absorbed in our own worlds. You know, they do these surveys. Most people spend at least, at least two hours just on social networking apps a day. That's generally. But with the teens, but with the teens, they say, they say it might be at least six hours a day on social media. Now that's not bad again, because there is a component of social, or at least you can make that argument, you know, of being social. But in fact, it's been, it's been such a big deal that they even made up a new word called nomophobia. What is nomophobia? What is it, Karen? Oh, you don't have it then. Nomophobia is fear of not having your phone with you. Oh, oh, oh my gosh. I can't be connected. <laughs> There's people all around me, but I can't be connected. Like, and so they're just so absorbed. So absorbed, right? In fact... The World Health Organization, which is one of two organizations that clarify or classify mental health um, disorders, in 2018 issued a new mental health disorder, video gaming addiction. That's, that's for real. That's for real. Brent is like, yep, yep. <laughs> that's for real. And I, the, point isn't, the point isn't to take away social media and video gaming are evil, but the point is there is this kind of plot from Satan to shape us to be self-absorbed. That's just reality. That's how it is, and we're totally engrossed in our own little world and don't notice anything going on around us. Corinth was like that. We have these problems, Paul. Tell us how to fix them. He says, okay, I'll give you some solution. But flat out be generous with other people. That's a tough thing to swallow when you have drama to sort out. Isn't it? But that's what the call from the Bible is. I think the message of the gospel is the only message that reverses the trend of selfishness. Because there's not really a reason to give unless you see a man on a cross at his worst moment dying an excruciating death, giving to other people. Saying, hey, there's my family. Take care of them. I forgive all of these people. He's in his worst possible moment being generous to humanity. Okay, well, there's a model. I, I can follow that. I'm convicted by that. I'm inspired by that. I, I can follow that. That reverses the trend of being selfish. And that's what Paul is saying. That's what God is calling everyone to. Is yes, you may have your own stuff going on. Yes, you got to sort it out. Yes, we're not just going to gloss over it. But be generous to other people even when you have stuff going on. That's a high call. And there's no reason to do it unless we see Jesus on the cross doing that. And when you and I do that, it makes a loud statement to our culture 
Because they see people do it in moments, but they don't see people with the character to do that. It's been shaped by the gospel. Secondly, let's talk about open doors. Because Paul uses this metaphor often in his letters when he talks about his ministry. And so in 1 Corinthians, he is written it from Ephesus. So he's staying there, and he's written this letter to the church in Corinth. And he says in verse 8, I'll stay on in Ephesus, where I currently am, until Pentecost, because a great door for effective work has opened to me. And it's all awesome. No worries. No, and there are many who oppose me. That's an interesting combination. There's a great door, and there's many who oppose me. Now, he says, I'm writing from Ephesus, so we can gain a survey of what his ministry looked like from Acts chapter 19, because that's actually when he's in Ephesus. So here's a quick survey of what happens. He goes to this lecture hall, and he rents it out, kind of like hiring out a venue from 12 to 4, and he just has Bible discussions almost every day for quite a while. That's pretty awesome that he's able to do that. Luke says in Acts chapter 19, the whole province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. I'd say that's a pretty effective door. The whole region of Auckland has heard the God, man, the whole country. Like Paul is preaching the gospel day in and day out. There's definitely a door that's open for him. Epaphras, which is probably the guy that was converted during his lunch break, came to those Bible talks. He probably started uh, a church and he takes letters back and forth to Paul. So there's this, there's this guy, leader type guy who's converted while he's in Ephesus. And then it kind of caps off by saying the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. You can read Acts 19 in your own time. Lots of cool stuff happens. And you say, man, this is awesome. That's the, kind of, that's the kind of ministry I want. That's what I want to happen in my life. That's what should be happening. But there were some difficulties as well. And you can see those. Whoops, you're not supposed to see that yet. Not yet, wait for it. Because I think that what, what I think, and I don't know if everyone thinks like this, but I think, I just want it to all be awesome, like church is growing, things are happening, and no difficulties. But that's not reality. Just because there's an open door doesn't mean there won't be difficulty, right? And I, I know that everybody loves Indiana Jones. It's just a fact, right? It's a fact. And Indiana Jones, he gets into these spots where he has these opportunities, doors open for him, and there's a valuable piece, and he goes for it, but what happens? Oh man, that's when the booby traps start coming. Right? So to get the valuable piece, it's always with some difficulty. And I'm going to whistle the tune, because this is, this is classic Indiana Jones. It's a high note. Now, hopefully you get, you, look, I was watching these clips and he sees like this valuable piece that he turns around and, and the, the room is wide open, but he takes a few steps and darts and boulders and rocks start flying. He runs in, grabs the piece, goes to the, whatever he goes to. I'm like, man, that's awesome. This is how I write my sermons by watching Indiana Jones clips. <laughs> and whenever you can put it in a sermon, you got to put it in there. But I thought, man, he grabs these valuable pieces, but there's always difficulty. Even when there's open doors. And I know that's silly, but I think that it's helpful for us to get our minds around. Because Paul is saying, this door is opened, but there's many who oppose me. And if you read through that passage, there's a silversmith named Demetrius who riles up the whole town and says, let's get Paul. 
And he gets the whole town to drag him into this stadium and try to kill him. Then there's the religious leaders, the guys who are supposed to be listening to the Bible. They're plotting to get Paul too. And so he's in the city and all these cool things are happening. But here comes this other this other force. We're going to get Paul. He's taking our money. He's telling people to turn to Jesus. Man, you see there was many who opposed him. And what does this all this mean for us as disciples? I think it means a few things. I think it means we need to be tougher. I think we need to be tougher. Perhaps we're too soft on ourselves. I tried to share my faith with somebody and they just didn't even listen. They turned. It get tough. Right? Doors are open and there's always going to be people who oppose you. And I think we have this fear like, or we want great things to happen. But at the first slightest fear of difficulty, we think, oh man, this is really hard. Well, yes, it's flat out hard. But that's what open doors are all about. Paul's in Ephesus preaching. The whole province hears it. But people are still going against him. And so we have to be tougher. I, you know, I want there to be a great Bible talk at Westlake School. It's, that's a great vision. That's a great... But it's going to be hard. It's not going to be just like, hey, let's have a Bible study and people flock. That's not the way it works. There will be sweat and tears and prayer. But man, there's an open door. Same thing with Wellington. I want it to be awesome. And in my head, it's just going to be awesome. But you know what? There's going to be difficulty. There's going to be trials. There's going to be challenges. And in your life, you want, your, you want Jesus to work powerfully in your life. And there's an expectation you probably have. But there will be difficulties. That doesn't mean the door is closed. That just means you're experiencing real life. That's what Paul meant. Hey, there's lots going on, but there's many who oppose me. It also means that we just got to be honest. I think I have a hard time, and I've kind of reflected recently, like, it's not that I have many who oppose me, but in, in this passage, Paul's saying, there was awesome stuff going on in Ephesus. But it affected me. It was hard. And I personally, to be vulnerable, want to appear as the mighty warrior church leader who says, we're going to grow Auckland. We're going to plant well. We're going to take over the world. I don't really think that, but, but I, and when problems, I just want to, you know, problem, dismiss, huh, handle that, do this. But you know what? Man, it's flat worn me out at times. And I haven't been honest all the time. And I've kind of been aloof and just kind of like trying to move forward. And, and sometimes it's been at the expense of not connecting with my wife. And I'm going to change that by the grace of God. But I just want you to know that sometimes, even when great things are happening, man, it's hard. It's hard. And, and I know, and I got to be more honest with that. How's it going? Man, it's great. I'm fired up and the world is changing. How's it going? You know what? It's actually really tough. <laughs> You know, and, and, and that's not the way I'm always going to respond, but amen, I think we've got to be honest when things are tough. And learning to understand that open doors doesn't mean you glide through them and levitate, but it means that there's always opposition. But God always moves us forward. Lastly, let's follow good examples. Verse 15 through 18, as he concludes and calls this church to a... A higher call. In verse 15, you know the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia. They have devoted themselves to the service of the Lord's people. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to submit to such people. That's a strong word he uses, by the way. To submit to such people and to everyone who joins in the work and labors at it. And then he goes on to mention some other guys. Verse 17. And what's likely is those are the guys bringing the letter from Corinth 
to Paul. And then Paul will have fellowship with them, get refreshed, and they in some way represent the church in Corinth, the good and the bad. And Paul says, man, I'm so glad they came. They refreshed me. I was encouraged. And, and they're working hard for the gospel. Let me write a letter in response. I'll give it to these guys, and they'll take it back. And so that's, that's most likely what happened. And, and then in the midst of that, he calls uh, the church to look at them publicly. He kind of lifts them up publicly, which is a bit uncomfortable. If you think about it, to be the person or to, to be the person hearing this. Because I think we, we, just, we don't find comfort in saying, hey, submit to that guy. Because they're working hard. Out of reverence for Christ, you know, they're, they're working hard in the faith. They're devoted to the service of the Lord. And it's on their own initiative. No one, no one appointed them. No one told them to do this. This is their own initiative. This is what they're doing out of the goodness of their heart. Submit to them. That's like, that's voluntarily. But it's also like, you see those, Paul's saying, you see this group over here? They're flat working hard. Not because anybody's telling them to, because they love God and they love you. Submit to people like that. Join with them. Work together with them. That's his call as he ends the letter. I think that's awesome. Because as I think about our church, and I think, man, there's so many examples of people that we could publicly lift up and say, follow these people. I think about the Villons and what they've done with our kids' ministry. That was out of the flat goodness of their own heart. It wasn't like I said, I want you to craft an incredible curriculum. They just said, we're going to do something with the children's ministry. We're going to work hard. And let me tell you, they work hard. And man, praise God for that. That was of their own goodness of their heart. They, and they've, man, they've revolutionized a lot of the curriculum. Sydney is now trying to imitate or in the process of imitating what they do. That's amazing. I think about the Wilsons, man, and, and the work they've done for hope. My goodness, Duncan and Mary are gifted at that stuff. Duncan knows how to put together projects and teams, and, and God has really blessed them. And they were doing that before anybody told them to do it. Just out of the goodness of their own heart. That's awesome. I think about the McDonald's. That's them skiing on some slope in the middle of somewhere. Who knows where? Where is that, Chris? Mount, Mount Doom. <laughs> But I think about the, the BBB. All the guys know the BBB. That's such an awesome thing. and That was going on before who knows when. And it wasn't like we can said, all right, we want to have an organized blah, 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 blah. It's like out of the goodness of our own heart, we're going to start doing something. That's awesome. I think about the Ismaels. We're close to them. And when they came, you know, we, we exchanged stories when they, when they first moved here. and said, we're, We don't know what we're going to do. We're just going to start a Bible talk. Nobody's going to tell us to do it. We're just going to start one. We're just going to help in the teens. Man, I, I, there's so many. We could share so many examples of that. Recently, that's uh, Wu-Tang Clan. Oh, no, that's Jono. <laughs> Jono said, I want to do more. I was like, well, I mean, you work. I just want to do more. Okay, do, I don't know. I don't have, do it, bro. I don't know. He starts a Bible talk at his, at his university. Second week in a row. Second week in a row, right? It's like, I didn't say, we want to start a Bible talk. And blah, blah, blah. I'm going to start one. Man, he had five of his friends come on Friday. That's flat hard to do. That's hard to do. I'm going to tell you. When, you, when you're at university and say, hey, would you like to come to a discussion about Jesus? <laughs> yes, I would love to. No, man, he had five of his friends come to a discussion about Jesus and are coming next week. Yeah. 
That's awesome. That's all. There's so many people like this out of their own initiative. That's, that's, that's the beauty of this church. There's so many people that say that. And I think we need to cultivate that even more. But the thing is, I think often though, when we see those people, there's a temptation to kind of say, oh yeah, that's them. But mm, I'm not sure if I have to do that. Instead of, I, I want to join them. They're setting a pace. And I think that's kind of a, a, whatever you want to call it, chop the tall poppy thing. Like, just because somebody's doing well and, hey, imitate them. I'm not imitating them. Or them being lifted up. Don't lift me up. You know, whatever it is. But Paul says, follow those guys. Submit, join with those people. That's awesome when we're all working together like this, isn't it? We're all seeing God work and we're all seeing each other and we're joining. Hey, there's something awesome going on there. I'm going to join that work. I'm going to submit to them out of reverence for Christ, out of reverence for one another. That's going to be awesome. I think often we're hesitant to join in. But let's get over that and join with each other because we're all trying to do the best we can. And when there are good examples, let's follow them and join them. Amen. To conclude, as we grow here in Auckland, as we grow in our church throughout New Zealand, and as God adds to our number, I pray that you and I can help this church to become a church who is generous collectively when there's a need and our church is but it'll have to increase even as we think about helping other churches be planted i pray we're a church that's generous collectively and in our hearts that we're individually generous as well and i pray that you and me and us as a church look for open doors and know there will be difficulty with those but we courageously move forward as god helps us and let us submit to one another out of reverence for christ and let us all join together to help this work amen amen